Dotnet Rocks episode 782 with guest Sondra Bayelas. Recorded live Thursday, June 7th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's another NDC show from the Norwegian Developers Conference in Oslo, Norway. We've been working hard. And hardly working. No, actually, we are working very hard. We're doing something like 11 or 12 shows from here. And a couple of sessions. I got a session after this. I got a session Friday. Okay, so we're busy. We are busy. Uh, let's jump into Better Know Framework. Better Know a Framework. All right, man. What do you got? Better Know a Framework. You, framework. you better. Uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. And I figured since we're uh, doing all kinds of communication with Facebook today, I would revisit the system.net.web client class, which you would use uh, in .NET if you're going to make a call to a, a RESTful service or any kind of web uh, XML file or any kind of file on the internet that you want to pull down and inspect, or just a, a website itself if you want to screen scrape. It's just a general HTTP client, and uh, it it works. Use it, you know, if it's appropriate. Know it, learn it, love it. Know it, learn it, love it. Um, Sandre is going to tell us uh, about some tools that you will not need to use this directly. Uh, they uh, these tools for Facebook sort of wrap the the API, but anyway, we'll get to that. Richard, who's talking to us now? I grabbed a comment off of show seven sixty five, which is the one we did with Brian Noise talking about single page applications. And this comments from Chuck Conway, who says, "Gents, so clearly doesn't know us." <laughs> <laughs> I resemble that remark. <laughs> nyah, nyah, nyah. Single page applications are the future. Once HTML5 has a significant penetration, we'll see rich applications that rival and eventually surpass desktop applications, specifically in the area of touch, and who knows, maybe even gesture interactions. Okay, dudes drank the Kool-Aid, but moving on. Uh, I am disappointed that Microsoft has created an SPA project. It misleads programmers into thinking that SPAs are supported out of the box in Visual Studio. SPAs have nothing to do with Visual Studio. SPAs are a client-side architecture decision that leverages JavaScript, Ajax, and copious amounts of hashtag usage. Okay, I'm holding my tongue. He's got a point. Can I throw in a comment? Absolutely. The SPA part was part of the beta version. Right. And it has actually been removed from the release candidates, and it won't be included in the final product. That, you know, was a point I was thinking about, which is, you know, we talk about to Scott Halsman about the WebStack 11, and Scott Hunter said the same thing. Web apps are web apps. doesn't matter whether it's Ajax or MVC or Web Forms or SPA. They shouldn't be different projects. It doesn't mean anything. Just make a web app, include the libraries you want, and go. And, and we're presuming, and I don't actually know all the details here, but we talked about it with Brian, but there's more to know. That uh, you know, they're built some libraries to make building SPAs easier. Yeah, a template would be good that does some Ajax things already for you. That you know, that would be okay. Yeah, it's enough to just have it as a NuGet package. Yeah, I'm with you absolutely. Anyway, uh, Chuck's not finished slamming me yet, so let's keep going. 
Uh, Richard suggests that SBAs are ideal for internal applications, and I wholeheartedly disagree. SBAs are the rich UI experience the web has been missing. The concerns brought up in the show around SEO and linking both are available in a correctly architected SPA. They can be achieved by using the hashtag. When a view changes, the hashtag also changes. This allows for linking to a page or a view. One should be able to take the URL and the hashtag and return to the state he or she left. Hashtag linking mostly solves the SEO program in the early days of Flash. SEO was a huge concern, but we worked through that. And now Flash sites are properly indexed. The same will happen to the SPA styles. Hashtag. Hashtag solve everything, man. All right. I mean, Chuck, I appreciate you're a believer, and I read your comment exactly that. You know, there's folks that are seriously into this. Microsoft is coming to it late. Uh, you know, it's been around for a while, but it's important that we have good tooling around it, and I think this is the beginning of that path. Uh, and it's certainly not going to stop me from sending you a mug. I'm just going to tease you about it first. So if you'd <laughs> like a .NET Rocks rug, you can write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com. Awesome. And before I introduce Sandre, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online, over 250 hardcore courses taught by people who know what they're doing. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access to their library. They, uh, the co- topics include iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything you can think of in Microsoft land, including extensive Windows 8 coverage. They also have coverage of development on social platforms, including Facebook, Google+, and coming soon, Twitter. Coming soon. And they rock. Oh, yeah. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let me introduce Sandre. With more than 14 years of experience with web and software development, Sandre Bielos has experience and knowledge from a wide variety of projects and solutions. He's here to tell us all about Facebook and the state of developing for Facebook. Welcome. Hello, and uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for being here. It's fun being here. It certainly is a fun conference, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great conference. I've actually been here as you guys for every single year so far. Did we go to the first year? I can't even remember. I, I, I don't know if it was the first or second, but it's yeah. been four or five years. Five yeah, years now. Yeah, it's five years the show's been around. I, I know we've done four of them, if not five of them. And one of my favorite shows. We have such a good time here. And I love how it's thriving. It yeah. just keeps getting bigger and better. The early shows weren't in this venue, though. They were out of town, right? Yeah, this is a much better venue compared yeah. to the Oslo Telno Arena. And the Oslo Spectrum is uh, essentially an arena, you know, where they have concerts and things. And uh, all the sessions are in the bleachers, in these curtained-off sections. So you have a, it's a very interesting place to present. And then, of course, there's like a rock band right in the middle. And on the floor is where we are, on the show floor, along with all the vendors. But anyway, let's talk Facebook. Yeah, great. Um, Here's what I know about Facebook. Every time I get the bug, oh, I got to develop some Facebook stuff, and I go look like on CodePlex or whatever, it seems like... Oh, this API has been discontinued. Use this one, and then I use this one, and then I find, no, I'm sorry, we're not working on this anymore. What the hell? I mean, there's like four or five or six failed Facebook API projects. Why is that? Is it because Facebook keeps pulling the rug out from under everybody and changing their specs, or what? I think there are more frameworks than that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, if you go and look on uh, NuGet and it search for Facebook, you actually get a huge bunch of different projects yeah. and that's different kind of things. But um, the main library that was used to be on Codeplex has now okay. been taken over by Outer Curve Foundation. Outer Curve. Yeah. It is the open source foundation founded by 
some of the uh, Microsoft yeah, employees. Yeah, it's a spinoff from CodePlex, arguably to put proper licensing and protection around the code. Yeah. Oh, that was like CodePlex.net or something, or co- .org. Right, and we did a show on this. I mean, it was a yeah. while ago. I just don't remember calling it being called Outer Curve. I think they came to the conclusion that calling it a different version of CodePlex confused people, so they came up with a completely different name so we can all forget it. All right, yeah. so anyway, so it's yeah. is this officially sanctioned by Facebook or... Uh, I'm not sure if Facebook have any official sanctions on any libraries, but, but they have a, when you go into the Facebook developer mm-hmm. site on developer.facebook.com, mm-hmm. they have examples in all kinds of languages. Yeah. You use. And I mean, their APIs are just basically just REST and JSON. Sure. So you can call it from any platform. So they but, don't uh, endorse any framework per se. No, but they have, it is the official, they have an official Facebook JavaScript SDK. Yeah. Which you use to, uh, which you basically sh- need to use to do any Facebook integration to okay. begin with. And then you have the, uh, the, the NuGet package called Facebook. Okay. Which is the simplest and easiest one to use. Yeah. It has been rewritten many times. Yeah. Because they, as you mentioned, the API from Facebook changes a lot. Right. Especially on authentication. And currently it's up on OAuth 2.0. Oh, so I think it's yeah. uh, brilliant. Yeah. It's so much simpler than before. Oh, is great. So all, all I need to do is just uh, run install package Facebook. We haven't really talked about OAuth all that much on .NET Rocks, so I'd like to t- like you to tell people about it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I have uh, I started implementing OAuth one. I remember and trying to add uh, some code talking to to Twitter a while back. And I just gave it up in the end. But basically, it's a way that you can authenticate users on your website by having them log in with their credentials for other websites like Facebook, like Twitter, like uh, there's a bunch of them, right? Yeah. Windows Live. So, and, and what's great about that, the benefit of this, in especially if you're any kind of purveyor of digital content, and I've said this before on the show, is that people are not likely to give away their authentication details to their Facebook account but they would be considered they would maybe consider passing on their credentials to somebody else if they had to make up an account on your site and so you have less chance that somebody is going to impersonate somebody else because they're using their facebook password yep. essentially so it's a really good it makes so much sense to do this to do oauth rather than sort of rolling your own account yeah yeah and i think this, this is an issue we have in our industry today is that developers they don't want to use services such as OpenID. Yeah. They want to have their own username and passwords right. in their database. Yeah. But as we have seen in the last few years, there have been so many companies, big international comp- corporations who have leaked passwords and right. password hashes. Yeah. And I mean, it is a responsibility to actually store people's passwords yeah. because passwords are more private than your social security number. I mean, your employer... Right knows your social security mo- number, yeah. your partner, but you're not going to tell uh, your password to your, right. uh, to your boss. Yeah. That, is, that is probably one of the most uh, private personal information that exists on people. So the, in other words, the, there's a built-in security based on the incentive around not sharing, people not sharing their passords to these sensitive yeah. sites. So you, like, you click on a Facebook button on a, any website, yeah. and you get redirected back to Facebook, mm-hmm. and then a website asks the user whatever kind of permission do you want right. you want permissions to my email address to yeah. my friends list to my status updates right and so forth and then the user has much, so much more control right on what kind of data 
the website is allowed to access. And then when a request comes back, the user basically just have a, a, a token. Yeah. And so what happens is anytime you want to subsequently go onto that website and log in, all you do is you click, you know, log in with Facebook and, you know, you've done it once. You've given them permission. Now it just happens. Yeah, and it's automatically logged in as well. You have single sign-on as long as you tick the button to remember me. And it's brilliant. And yeah. not just from a technical point of view, but from what it enables people to do. Uh, I just think it's uh, everybody should be doing that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess this is one angle of doing development with Facebook is using Facebook as your authentication yeah. strategy. Yeah. Is there other information you get from Facebook once people have authorized that way? From it? Yeah, as I mentioned, when you implement a website mm-hmm. that uses Facebook for authentication, uh, when the user is redirected to Facebook, uh, you tell whatever kind of permissions you want to have. Where you're willing to give up. So in my talk, the, the demonstration I'm doing here, I'm basically asking for every possible permission that exists in Facebook. And how many are there? Uh, it's like, I yeah. think it's like 40, 50 wow. different kinds. Holy cow. And it's very granular. Mm-hmm. So you have, you can specify very like, deeply in uh, what do you want to access Share the to. gender, share my address, phone number. Yeah, and and, and it, there's, there's two types of permission. One is access to my information mm-hmm. and then access to the same properties on my friends. Interesting. So basically when, as a developer, I have access to more information and you have access through the Facebook UI. <laughs> because there's so much. That's awesome. Because you have direct data access right. to all the events, everything that's happening and everything. And this doesn't automatically happen when you authenticate. You have to go write code to go pull Facebook using that same permission set? Yeah, there's, there's one important consideration when you develop uh, Facebook integrations. Mm-hmm. And you can either use Ajax directly using a JavaScript back to Facebook. Right. Which is a good way of doing it because then you're using Facebook uh, web servers to do all the requests. Right. And your server is just uh, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And the second one is that after the user have logged into a website, you, you get a token. And then you, you send that token to your own server through your REST service or uh, MVC controller. Right. And then whenever you do a, subs, uh, a request back to Facebook on the server side, you include that token. I see. So that you don't have to consider any like signatures, signing, no encryption. It's just you get a token, you get that over to your own server, and you can send that, and all the requests will then be on behalf of the user. This just makes so much more sense than you know any of the stuff that we've seen before with OpenID or or any of this, because, like I said before, there's a built-in uh, built-in incentive for people to use it. Yeah. All right. So so. The API for Facebook, we have two places where we can access Facebook on the server and on the client. On the client, you said, is a JavaScript yep. library that's standard. You just, you know, link to it and use it. Yeah. Uh, on the server. So the Facebook API is a, is a set of .NET classes, obviously. Yeah. And to get it installed today, you just have NuGet installed. Yep. NuGet. And you run install package Facebook. Yep. And just get a, a single DLL file assembly in a project. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just writing Facebook dot uh, Facebook client. Okay. Create a new instance. Right. And then the, the constructor takes a token. But there's also a constructor without a token. Okay. And the token comes from that OAuth? Yeah. Yeah. So you get that from the client using JavaScript. Yeah. But you can, you can basically start coding against Facebook without a token. Okay. So you can just get the uh, package, mm-hmm. create a new client, and then mm-hmm. start doing requests. And then you'll get access to all the public information. 
Oh, okay. There's a lot of people share public information. I mean, my name, my photo, sure. or my gender and stuff. That's available for everybody. And if you go on Bill Gates's pro- public profile, he has basically everything he has is available every- to everyone. You don't mm-hmm. need to be logged on to Facebook to access that. Yeah. What pieces are visible and what aren't? You know, and the piece about this that I think was really interesting is if we could actually... I just want to use this for the forces of good, right? I mean, it's one thing to know gender and stuff, but you'd like the other preferences. Like you could do really pre-configure your app with an awful lot of that information. As soon as you log in with Facebook, I immediately know these are things you like, so here's the content or how I'm going to show things to you. Yeah. And so we don't actually gather, you know, I would, I'm thinking stuff like, I mean, this is going back to stuff like Skip, you know, that, that we're supposed to, that in the early days of trying to do this open ID, open authentication model was, here are my preferences, just by logging in right away, you've got that stuff. You know stuff like what my uh, my preferred airline is. You know, that kind of information that can actually be useful to other applications. Save me time of setting up all these different apps or these different things I need them to know. Yeah, that's some great thoughts. And I also think that as a society, we have evolved so far now that people actually are willing to give away that kind mm-hmm. of information. If we said to people 10 years ago that when you log on here, you're going to give away your airline, favorite airline company, who's your wife, who's yeah. your friends, everybody would just say, I'm not going to share that information. No. But these days, I mean, and especially kids, young people who grow up with uh, Facebook on their mobile phones yeah. and chatting, they're not afraid of actually sharing all their information. Mm-hmm. As, as you said, it, there's a lot of interesting stuff you could do as a service provider by going back to Facebook and getting their profile and trying to understand their their patterns and the information there. Yeah, uh, and you uh, get just silly stuff like your app starts up, it pops a quote, and it's cause, because I you logged in with Facebook and I know your favorite movie is Star Wars, I'm always going to throw Star Wars quotes at you, you know? Like, <laughs> I just, I like the thought of that. I don't want, just want to do this as an exploit to mine these people for information. It's like, how do I make the application experience better because I know more about you? Well, you know, the one thing I can think of in a business sense, so if you have a Facebook account for your business or for your your online presence or whatever, and you want to know when people write on your wall, but you don't want to be logged into Facebook all the time, you can have a little daemon sitting out there and take all your wall posts and, you know, use speech synthesis to to read them to you. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, you have access to all information using Mm -hmm. using the API, so you could automate any kind of, you know, Continue to poll the stream and see what a user are writing wall posts mm-hmm. for the, on Can the company you do page. Searches for content like across your friends' yeah, yeah. walls. I'm not sure if you saw some of the websites like two, three years ago that made uh, it was called like robme.com or something, <laughs> and uh, it basically just listed every person who had a public status update where they said they were going to go on holiday or something. Right. And you got their profile and, <laughs> and, and, and where, where they lived. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean. So, just, you know, if you think people are going to do evil things, yes, they are. <laughs> they yeah. will. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah, and that is also one of the points in my talk is that we as a developer have access to, to Facebook. We have a immense power over people's information. Right. And just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. No, of course. So there, you have to think uh, more than twice about whatever you're trying to do because that's right. The information here is, I mean, it, there's so much information stored on all of us, right? And it grows every single day, right? And we have no clue what it really means. All this information, yeah. Because so what do you think the 
what do you think the laws are for somebody who wrote a robme.com? You know, I, I, I would say that they're completely within the law because they're just taking public information and putting, presenting it in a different way. Yeah, I don't think they had any problems uh, with the law, but I mean, it, it is on a, it's an edge case where right. you shouldn't uh, entice people to do uh, criminal acts. I mean, please rob me.com is an actual site. I put the link to the, to the show and it's about raising awareness about oversharing, right? That it's exactly what it says on the site. Yeah. So, so this whole idea that you could put in your Twitter handle and it'll tell you what it knows about you from Twitter information. So if you're, if you were automatically dumping all your Foursquare check-ins to Twitter, you know, it's pretty easy for someone to just go, I know where you are and you're not home. So I'm going to rob you. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik, makers of Kendo UI. Are you a web or mobile developer who wants to build amazing sites and apps? Looking for the best tool out there that can really improve your development work? We've got the answer for you. Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. In the complete integrated package, you'll find a jQuery-based tool set that includes rich UI widgets, a powerful data source, dynamic data visualizations, and blazing fast micro-templates, all backed by industry-leading professional support. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com .net, that's D-O-T-N-E-T, to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 60-day trial with support. Also, Tablet Show number 19 was an interview with Todd Anglin on the Kendo UI. Richard and I talked to him at length about this great tool set. That's at thetabletshow.com and look for show number 19 in the archives. And when you talk to the Telerik guys, make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So I got a good story for you um, it, regarding the Connecticut Technology Council, which is a group that meets in the Hartford area that, you know, they, they're like a group of business people that, you know, they want to keep up on technology, right? And now this, I wanted to join them when I started Franklin's Net back in 1999. Uh, and you know, just because here I am, I'm down in New London. I've got, I'm teaching classes on .NET and, you know, people interested in technology. I wanted to meet these people and go to their, so I went to their mixers and stuff, right? But I really wanted to introduce myself to every other business that was part of the council. And so I went on the website and I looked and all of the members were listed there with what they do and their email addresses and contact information. But I wanted to send them all a message. Like, I wanted to spam them, basically. But not spam, but, you know, this is a particular group of people that I'm interested in meeting and learning to see if we have networkability, right? And But I want to do it as efficiently as possible. I don't want to sit there for 85 or 100 members and send personal emails to each one and see, you know what I'm saying? All right. So there was no way to send a message or get a message or even buy a message in a newsletter. There was no way to do that. So... I basically wrote a screen scraper to go up to the website and pull down all the uh, mailing addresses and send them in. And I sent out uh, an email and it was, you know, it was a good email. And I got a lot of positive response back from it. And I learned a lot about the other companies in Connecticut that were in my space or wanted to partner with me or, you know, I, I found some new places to free, you know, some, some, vendors and i got some customers and it worked out great so then i canceled my subscription and you know my membership and i got a f phone call you know hey why did you cancel and i said well 
here's why. And I told them <laughs> the story. And they said, well, you're obviously one of these hot shot techie guys. That, and I'm like, wait a minute. Aren't you the Connecticut Technology Council? You know, isn't, aren't you guys supposed to be the hot shot techies here? I just thought it was really funny, but it's totally public information and you posted it. I'm just using it in a, in a different way. Yeah. And, uh, one, uh, one, in one of my slides, I'm showing a, a graph of my whole social network. And then there's, there's websites where you can log on and then just grab all your friends mm -hmm. and check whatever networks they are connected to. And then, uh, you, you get like a, a, a graph that shows clusters of right. all your, of all your networks. So in my own, I have like, looks a, like a, a huge cluster where I have all my Is that a geographical map? Yeah. And it's interactive, so you can zoom in and out here. Right. So these are all my, the red ones here are all my Microsoft contacts. Mm -hmm. And then I have my Capgemini, where I used to work for Capgemini. Right. And then my hometown people. And when you generate a graph out of all the information that is on Facebook, you get knowledge that didn't exist right. before you actually generated that graph. You're data mining Facebook. Yeah. And then there's so much potential in real cool things. And there's even more potential for bad things you can actually do with all of this. <laughs> Why is it we always go to the dark side for these conversations? This is the second dark side conversation we've had at NDC. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, let's say you're a guy and you don't want to share your political views. Mm -hmm. So you don't put it on Facebook. But I can easily, as a web developer, figure out what your political views are anyway. Right. I'll just check all your friends. Right. Because we are associated with people who are like us. Often. That is the presumption. Yeah. And there's a lot of information you can figure out about people mm -hmm. that it may be and I don't want others to know. But I mean, there, there's patterns in your social networks with the connections and what kind of people you are, who you communicate, who you're sending messages to. Mm -hmm. So, uh. So I should defriend all those strippers is what you're saying. <laughs> 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 Sorry, honey. You, you know there's targeted <laughs> advertisements on Facebook, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's, that's how all of that works. Now, yeah. is this the only way you work with Facebook? Is it using the authentication no. to get the, the, the graph information? Yeah, that, that's one thing. And you, you get all the API to get the data. Mm -hmm. But some of the more interesting things are what have come in the, the last few years is like stuff like Facebook credits. Right. If you've seen that. Mm -hmm. it is, it's, uh, but that's for like games, right? Like Farmville. Yeah, but it also for apps. Okay. So if you're selling digital content, right? Sort of um, music or uh, letters or uh, books or stuff, mm -hmm. ebooks and stuff, you can you could use Facebook. And what is cool about Facebook credits is that it's a micro credit platform, right? And that is something our industry have Tried talked about for, for many many years, yeah. right? And this year, Facebook is estimated to reach one billion users. Mm -hmm. That's Good one Lord. in every seven. Human being yeah, on this planet. One seventh of the population of the planet. Yeah. And they support, is it 50 or 80 countries today with the, the, with the Facebook credits? Yeah. Where you can just use your credit card and fill up with credits. And we, do you know what roughly the exchange rate is right now? How many credits to the uh, US dollar, for example? Yeah, I think it was uh, 10 credits, $1. Okay. Uh, and then, um, as you mentioned, this is very popular in games mm -hmm. today. And it is a, a revenue stream for game developers that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. Everyone had to use either create a premium game and yeah. take a huge prize, or you had to had ad-based. Well, you know, the, I, I learned about this from games, and some of these games and things like Second Life, too, 
the the currency that they use becomes a real currency like it it can get so big that it it's a separate economy all unto itself and i don't know if facebook is has a certainly has the potential to to establish its own currency yeah but if you think about that doesn't it sort of become its own virtual country i mean these these are questions that keep me up at night. Man. I mean, you know, what are the how how does that work exactly? You got to come back from the dark side, man. Like this is a whole other set of issues. But just the ability to, I mean, Xbox the Xbox Live's got this with their point yeah. system too, right? It's ten thousand points for seventy US dollars, something like that. And then you know, it just the the or but I look at the equivalent of like your Starbucks card. I'm getting tired of $5 transactions on my, my credit card or having to carry change around to buy my coffee. So I buy a Starbucks card. I load it with 50 bucks. I'm good for the week or so buying my coffees and I load it again, right? Bulking up my transactions. So just looking at that way. That's because a, 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 a charge on your credit card, there's a service charge that you pay versus, well, they pay, but it gets rolled into the price versus buying it, uh, buying a card. The thing that, that uh, I'm coming back to is now maybe I'm thinking this is a way for Greece to fix its economy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Spain, you know, just go virtual Greece. Yeah. You know, but also, also uh, this uh, also brings us into an, an, a point that more and more huge, large international corporations, mm-hmm. what do you think they end up as when they have credit systems like this? And that's a lot of money. Right. So you start up ending, uh, getting, into banking and financial stuff. I mean, if you're Starbucks and people put in like fifty dollars each right. in, into the account, what's their they're going to the get money, interest rates? Yeah, the money they're and, collecting on the money they that's might being go held invest there. that money in something sure. else. So yeah, it's big a, business. It's, it's good. I business. have some mortgages in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. Hey, guess what time? <laughs> guess what time it is, Richard? Must be that happy time. It's that happy, happy time, and uh, we're giving away a Telerik Ultimate Collection this hour. To a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, and today's winner is Paul Ramsperger from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. <laughs> Congratulations, Paul! And uh, we give away a Telerik Ultimate Collection every show. We give away a Grape City Power Suite uh, once a month, and uh, anything else that we can get our grubby little paws on, including uh, we give away a few tickets to Dev Teach. Uh, which was a conference a few weeks back, and uh, we so the guys came out. We had a chance to have dinner with them. It was good fun. So we took them out to dinner. Yeah, we, you, you, when you win stuff for the uh, in the fan club, you get good stuff, and we get good stuff too. I got a bottle of scotch out of it. Oh yeah, well that's a shame, isn't it? It is really. Uh, but anyway, um, we're you know we're going to talk to the NDC folks. Maybe we can give away uh, tickets to next year's NDC as well. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And every December, we're going to give away starting this year five thousand dollars worth of technology hand selected by you and me indeed a good christmas present for someone for someone and uh, if you want to know how to do that go to dotnetrocks.com click on the big get free stuff button which is in the upper right hand corner and sign up it's free and easy and uh, you might win some good stuff so Andre, i want to drag us back a bit to uh the kind of apps we're building here so you know, this initial story we were talking about with the graph access and doing the and doing the authentication is a standalone app or a web app yep. that then you know you you're only in Facebook very briefly. How do I build something that lives in Facebook? There's uh, two different kind of Facebook apps. Okay. That that lives inside Facebook that you can build, and the third kind is the rich client on mobile phones mm-hmm. apps. So on the website you can either make a a, a tab app. 
which appears as a separate tab. Of, right. Often than in, so if you have a, a a corporate page on Facebook, right, you can have a separate tab, mm-hmm. and that could be an app there and right there. And uh, are these just web apps? We're just speaking regular HTML that runs inside there, of. Yeah, there's uh, two ways you can configure the way you want to have them. Either mm-hmm. it can be an iframe, right, and just load your content, or you will you will do a server side request and AJAX. So it, it, instead of being a, in a separate frame, it's actually inside Facebook in the same uh, DOM there. Right. And actually, yesterday a guy asked me, can I make a web shop inside Facebook? A web shop? Yeah. He want to sell stuff on Facebook. Oh, yeah, okay. So he just want to have people inside the Facebook UI and then... Looking at stuff and then buying with Facebook credits. Yeah. Of course you can do that. I mean, it's called the whoring of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm just amazed no one's doing that right now. No, I, I, I think... I mean... Maybe I'm just not looking I, for it. I have submitted talks for NSC mm-hmm. all these years, never been selected. And it's basically because I've submitted too much uh, general uh, stuff on technology. And, right. And this talk on Facebook was a li- little bit different. Very distinctive. So, uh, so I was lucky to get in this year. And I think it is important for more and more, it will become more and more important for developers to learn and understand the Facebook developer platform. Well, just that there's a money opportunity here, right? It, it building some kind of storefront. It is the biggest market opportunity for developers ever sure. in existence. Yeah. I mean, nothing comes close. I mean, uh, Windows 7 has sold 600 million copies. Yeah. There's 1 billion users on Facebook. I yeah. Mean. Do the math. Yeah. But then you look at companies like Zynga. I mean, I'm not. There's still a business of flash games on Facebook. It astonishes me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not one of those guys, but you know, their game Farm Mill was the fastest ever growing game mm-hmm. on Facebook in 2010. They had 60 million active users. Wow! It has been surpassed by Cityville. Yeah, also made also by Singa and The Sims Social. It's not right. number one, which is a playfish game. That's actually Electronic Arts. Yeah, and Singa uh, is uh, valued. 1.5 billion dollars today. Yeah. So and they have like 250 games or something in total. I think. Yeah. And uh, in 2010, I think it was, they had 250 million users across all their games, and it's even more now. Yeah, it's, I mean that's a quarter of the whole user base of Facebook are playing Zynga games. So and I, and I wonder if the small guy listening to the show has a shot at making a game that can actually be successful on Facebook. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think, as you said, it, there's a underused potential on mm-hmm. Facebook, especially for businesses. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've only seen in the last few years that more and more businesses have come to... I mean, nobody will admit that they trust Facebook right. for anything. But I mean, they still use Facebook as their primary portal uh, to with engage you. with customers today. In fact, you'll go the other way. They'll slam Facebook for all of those problems, but still their actions speak that they trust Facebook a lot. Yes. Yeah, they certainly aren't voting with their pocketbooks on Wall Street, are they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not at the moment, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but so, uh, as you can see in advertisement today, mm-hmm. Nike, what, do they, what, what URL do they advertise when they advertisements? It's not Nike.com. No. It's Facebook.com slash Nike. Nike. Like, that's actually better? Okay. Nobody would use uh, Microsoft.com or Google.com and... uh, Yeah, slash Nike. Yeah. But Facebook, it's acceptable. That's really interesting. It is. I'm I'm, I'm curious what's there. Check it out. Yeah, I'm going to go look, right? But... No, I mean, it's it's a great platform for corporations to engage socially Mm -hmm. with their customers. 
And there's a lot of companies that have great success with this. But is there a real programming requirement here? Or is it, you know, can't it just be, isn't it simple just to, to put up a page? There's yeah. a whole section on pages for, for companies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there are so many that have pages today. Mm-hmm. And you need to do something special. Right. And so a little custom programming goes a long way? Yeah, I think so. The Nike page on Facebook looks like Nike as a person, right? It's got a timeline and product pictures and you know, that, that whole thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. So um, there are lots of different kinds of Facebook apps you can build with the JavaScript API. You don't necessarily need to build a standalone app or a server app. But web apps that integrate, like with the timeline information, the graph, as they call it, yeah. um, you can sort of build things that access that graph and that live in that graph. How how does that work? Like, there there's uh, there's something called the uh, graph API. Yeah, that is the all the information on Facebook. Right, and then you have something called the Facebook Open Graph, which is something uh, that came out in the last big release, and that is basically as a app, as as an app developer, you specify actions and then objects. So you have an action on an object. So if you go, I think it was maybe two years ago mm-hmm. when you shared a link, it said like uh, right. call shared a link. Yeah, and the wording and all those things you can specify that as an app right. developer. Yeah, I actually looked into it. You have nouns and then verbs that can exist on those nouns. It's almost like a little language in and yeah. of itself yeah. where you're creating objects that have that have methods and properties on them. Yeah. So that is the open graph. And the last part of that is aggregations, which is really nice. You've probably seen if someone have a birthday on, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Doesn't everybody have a birthday on Facebook? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh, Facebook have started aggregating all the comments into a box. Right. Instead of flow. Filling up the timeline. When you have a birth, it used to be in Facebook. When you had a birthday, you got buried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you had nothing in your in in your your uh, your news except happy birthday, which was nice. Yeah, it felt good. Doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't happen anymore. They fixed it. Yeah, and that that is a capability you have as an app developer as well. Mm -hmm. So if you have an app, who publishes a lot of things to the timeline, right? Because it, it. might have a good reason for do that. Yep. Then you can decide how you want to aggregate all those updates, mm-hmm. so it doesn't overflow everything. Right. Which is pre- pretty nice. I am working on a one of the reasons I'm interested in the Facebook API is that I have a hobby project I'm doing beside my regular work. Right. Called InTheBox.com. In the box. It used to it's, it used to be built in Silverlight, mm-hmm. and then I started working on it in HTML5, and it's basically a, a, an app. Which uh, web app, which integrates Amazon and Facebook. Oh yeah! So you can search for books and movies, and it had support for barcode reading, so you can just scan your books and movies. Mm-hmm. It goes to Amazon Web Service, get all the metadata with photos, everything, mm-hmm. and and then I store that in my own database, and I used Facebook for logging on. Right. And then when you purchased a new book, you added it, and you could decide if you want to publish that on my timeline. Oh, I see. When you got a particular book. Yeah. And then your friends again can, through that action, they can click and go back into the website and they can say, I want to borrow this book from you. Oh, I see. Then you get a request to send the book to the to the person. Right. And it's registered in the system that, oh, uh, this and this person borrows this book and right. this movie and stuff. 
So now I have a better chance of getting my books back after you borrow them, yeah, too. exactly. Because <laughs> I know where they are. Yeah. That's the thing I keep losing. Who did I lend that book to? Yeah. It's the same here. I, I'm a big movie buff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have nobody who rented whatever movie you have. I have a, I have a collection of 1,500 movies now. Right. And, and, uh, and people so, want to borrow them. Yeah, of course. So now you can shame them on Facebook. Yeah, that, was, they... that was one of the ideas behind the system. <laughs> I tried to find some software for this. Right. There's actually, yeah, and there's there's a few software available, but uh, so I thought it had a horrible UI, and I mm-hmm. wanted to have something running in the web. Right. Not on an install. Well, again, the, you know, I, you get that mashup feel, right? Yeah. I, you want to write as little as possible. So the fact that you can you know, take the UPC code off of the DVD, go to Amazon to get its name and all that information about it, and quite a bit of information, and then use Facebook for the authentication piece and for the you know the, the presentation piece. Like you, you're just writing the glue, drawing in new users, mm-hmm. because Facebook is a very good place to actually draw in new users. Right. You can generally count on people having a Facebook account. Yeah. So, Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread, but now, of course, it's Grape City Power Tools Spread. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.NET and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.NET from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. So... How much JavaScript are you looking forward to having to write when you use the Facebook API? I mean, you know, it, how how high level is it? Like, what are some of the calls that you can make? You uh, there, you need to have um, there's examples for everything. Mm-hmm. And there's first one uh, snippet of code. This is like six seven lines, right. which loads the JavaScript SDK asynchronously. Okay. After you have that, you have to do a fb.init okay, yeah. initialization call, where then uh, your authentication you can you can then. specify if you want to use OAuth mm-hmm. or and cookie, and uh, if you want to automatically check the status whenever the user comes, or if you manually want to do it, and then you have some events on this, so like user have been logged on, user mm-hmm. have been logged off, mm-hmm. so all that plumbing take around. 40 lines of code. Okay. And after that, it's basically just uh, writing fb.api. Yeah. And then you do an API call. And in there, it's uh, using a very friendly URL yeah. thing. So it's like you can, if you send in me, you get all the data on me yourself. Or you can send in the user ID or the, the, the friendly name in the URL. And in my demo, I'm actually getting all the videos that Bill Gates have published. So especially just writing fb.get slash, uh, uh, and then uh, writing build.case slash, slash videos. And then I get these videos. So slash friends, friends, slash photos, this is photos. And so. What about searching? I mean, I'm thinking link would be very handy right here, but uh, what, what kind of syntax do you use to, to filter and search on things? Uh, you have some uh, query param- parameters you can use. Uh, okay. in the REST API, but you also have something called FQL, 
is uh, Facebook query language. Oh, neat. FQL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is... Uh, uh, everybody's got a query language yeah, these yeah. days. Oy! So that is more like, uh, I wouldn't say SQL, but it's sort of... I'm going to come up with my own. SQL. It's Carl's query language. No, what jumped out at me is we clearly need to build a Facebook provider for links so you can have a link to Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. Wouldn't that's, that be great? Great idea. Who's going to do it? Not me. Somebody will. There's probably one on Actually, it'd be better to have link for JavaScript, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's an interesting challenge, but yeah. 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 Yeah, link to JavaScript. Come on, Anders, get on that. <laughs> so what can you query in the query language? I mean, is it just walking the graph again? It's the same data. But yeah. you have you have there's I mean But now you're doing more of a functional you, expression of this is the set I want. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of limitations you have on re- just sending regular query values. Mm-hmm. And is it purely uh, uh data read? It's just it's for getting data, it's not for modifying things. There's no insert statement for FQL. Uh, I'm actually unsure about that okay. because I never use it for updating. Yeah, but, uh, it's for at least for reading. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we've only been talking about reading so far. I guess when when do you get the right to make changes or or do a status update or anything yeah, like that? That is some of the access permissions you ask mm-hmm. for in the beginning. When, and and when, I generally when. say no to those things. I don't want you know. I don't. I don't need apps writing my status for me. Thank you very much. No, you you should see my uh, my uh, demo app uh, on on Friday on the talk here. Mm-hmm. And if if you co- stumble across a website that looks like mine, yeah, you, you shouldn't log in with your Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And uh, because I ask for all the permissions that is available, yeah. so when you, go, you get a pop up dialogue and like. Huge, huge list, list of Ed. stuff I'm you, accessing. You would be a fool to say yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would actually be fun to, to just put out a public website and see how many people. How many say yes? Yeah. And I guess the other side of this is can, can you choose which permissions or do you have to say yes to them all? You have to say yes to all. Hmm. Yes or no. Okay. And the presumption, of course, if you say no, the app won't install. So I, I had an interesting experience with Branch Out, which I don't particularly care a whole lot about, but it's an app on Facebook. And they. I, I set it up some time ago and I've ignored it ever since. And lots of people have been connecting with me via branch out and I've still been ignoring it. So I finally went back to look at it again and they changed their permission set. They now want location. So as soon as it came up, it said, Hey, I need location. And I said, No, nah, you can't have location. And so it wouldn't let me log into branch out, but I already have a branch out again. Ah, so interesting problem. I can't, I could uninstall branch out. But unless I give them location, I can never look at my branch out account again. Yeah. That's a shame. I, I I consider all of those notifications that I get just a serious pain in my ass, and I wish they'd all go away. Seriously. But there, there's there's one important change that we haven't gone into with mm-hmm. the uh, latest authentication change. That before, you could ask for offline permission. Right. And that it would say offline permission in, in, the, in the pop-up dialogue. And that basically gave you a token that had, uh, I think it had a lifespan of eternity. Right. Until you logged out <laughs> or, or removed the permission for that application. But today, the token you get, it's, it has a lifetime between one hour and 24 hours. Right. Uh, and you can, you can do uh, renew requests. Right. To renew it. But uh, it doesn't, it's, it's basically built a way that if a user is actually active on a website. Right. He will continue to stay logged on okay but but before it could be like you could accept an app just once 
just because you want to see something on Facebook. Yep. And half a year later, you could still do queries and go into your data. Right. The guy never needs to know about you ever again. You have a token that lasts forever, and you can always go mine them for information. And so now those tokens, there's only expiring tokens. How can I, as a user, revoke the token that was issued? Like, if I uninstall the app, or, I mean, does that mean anything? Like, how is that token tied to me anymore? I'm actually not sure about that question, but I Mm -hmm. think... I think if you actually log out of Facebook, you sh- the token should be invalidated. Right. And the question is, are you ever actually logged out of Facebook? Because we have all these little Facebook clients everywhere, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have Facebook open on my laptop right now, and it's probably not on any of my machines at home because I'm not home. But I'll bet you I ran it on my WinPhone 7 at some point, and it's maintaining a connection there. Yeah. And every single website you go to, yeah. Facebook knows you're there. Right. Because there's a like button there. Yeah. There, see, now that's, that's creepy. So if Facebook is open and you're browsing, it knows where you're going and it's keeping track of that stuff and using that data. Yes, they are. For, for, for advertisement. Uh, right. So that's, yeah. uh, so if you're going to surf porn, log out of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but I, the, the big question here is, can you actually log out of Facebook? Can you hunt down every instance of a Facebook connection on your machine? Oh, I think so. I mean, I, may, I imagine you can get it for a given machine. If you delete every single cookie on a machine. Right. Well, I guess this is where incognito browsing comes in. But wait a second, though. If if it's not up in the browser, it's not running, right? No, but uh, I mean, whenever you're logged into Facebook, you write cookies to your no, no, computer. No, what I'm saying is if you log out of Facebook, if you close yeah. the browser tab that has Facebook, it's not running, is it? No, Facebook is not running, but if you go to your local newspaper website, yeah. they have a Facebook like box there. Oh. And that's a callback to Facebook, which and triggers your cookie, which effectively logs you in again. Yes. Oh, oh! even if you don't click on the like button. Yes. Nope. Rendering on the page meant essentially an authentication of you. Yes. Every you probably time. seen that. These are your friends who like this oh, page. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. This is what we're talking about. So as long as you don't, you know, you know that's the evil thing is when porn sites start putting like buttons on them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I use the porn site is to, to be shock value. But, I mean, anything that you don't particularly want Facebook to know that you're surfing... I mean, I don't know why, but, you know, there is a situation in which it can really harm you. Uh, and I heard this story from my wife, actually, who had a friend who, I guess, had a uh, a child out of wedlock or something like that and lost touch with this child. And uh, I can't remember what exactly happened, but then went on a website to look up the the child and wanted to keep the child as a secret from their her current kids or something i can't remember exactly what it was but it was something like that and uh or maybe one of their kids was adopted didn't want to disclose the mother and then went to the site where she actually found that there was that information and was trying to get it off the internet you know so she was actively on on this site and facebook knew that she was going to this site and so then the next time she brought up something on facebook to show her kids an ad came up for something to do with adoption and and finding, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, kids are smart, and they know this stuff is going yeah. on. They're like, hey, why is that up there? And, and, and this is exactly how the advertisement business works today. I went to a conference called uh, Media Pulse back in my hometown in Kristiansand, mm-hmm. and they did a demonstration of how ads works today. And if I go to a website called uh, for uh, or for um, there's a goldsmith 
and I look at the diamond, and I go away from his website, I go to the local newspaper website, mm-hmm. I can bet you there's going to be an ad. Diamond ads. Yeah. By that company. Right. On the other website that I go to. Right. Because he already knows that I'm interested in and you these, went di- and these diamonds. Yeah. And he gives me an offer, and then I click on that, and I'm, right. and I'm sold. Now, if you really want to get crazy... Every time you go to another page and you still haven't gone back, we give you a better offer, right? So you can actually yeah. get into the bargaining mechanism. Yeah. Hey, I mean, and this is one of the problems I think Facebook really has is the reason Google advertising works at all, and I have a whole bunch of problems with Google advertising as well, is that generally you are searching for something. That's yeah. why you're there. Facebook, you're not searching for something. You're, you're busy, you know, connecting with your family and your friends and, and things like that. You know, advertising is a nuisance. You know, it is not really, it may be well-targeted advertising that is relevant to things that you care about, but you are not in the mode of hunting for things. So, you know, there's a very, a very questionable value. I, I like Facebook's role in letting companies communicate with their customers. I don't think the advertising model works particularly well. Well, and it's certainly, you know, as people discover about this kind of problem, you know, this... in this uh, pervasiveness that it has in your life online, more and more people, I think, are going to, well, leave it behind. Yeah, I mean, we're already seeing that uh, uh, regulations are coming in from uh, governments on cookies and stuff. I mean, there's some certain states that have banned cookies because cookies, Yeah, that is the main glue here. Right. That's... Well, you know, and here's another thing is that the laws of innovation say that there's, you know, if enough people get fed up with Facebook, there's room for another Facebook that doesn't do that to step in and suck all of their business away. Actually, there's a lot of people that says that Facebook is going to go away. Right. But I think they're way past... uh, The question is, is there a permanency threshold here? I don't know. MySpace went away. Friendster went away. I, in I the long term, it will go away, but there already exist, exists better technically alternatives to mm-hmm. Facebook. But the problem is, I mean, Google released Google Plus. Yep. And it had, it had like a bunch of millions of people yep. going to Google Plus. And the only thing people did there was share photos of cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my cat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if you see on the growth on the number of users, I mean... Yeah. If Google can't compete with Facebook. I don't know that Facebook can compete with Facebook. You know, I'm wondering how much of Facebook's success has to do with stuff like Zynga, that the stickiness of Facebook came from those Skinner Box games, yeah. Yeah. and that as those games lose momentum, so does Facebook. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, as they went to the stock exchange, they, they need to... They need to do other stuff mm-hmm. to be innovative. Yeah, I'm they, waiting they to can't, see... They can't just be a website anymore. Right. You have to have more... Of well, and I don't know how wise it was for Zuckerberg to go off on, on honeymoon right after going uh, IPO, yeah. but, you know, that's what it is. But I am looking forward to seeing that that's a smart bunch of people, you know, I, they actually, should do a great thing. Yeah. You've probably heard the rumors about uh, Oprah, mm-hmm. and there's some rumors going on that Facebook is, might be interested in Oprah. I think that's a brilliant idea. Well, come on, Oprah's got her own show. <laughs> yeah. I think he means opera, but Okay. <laughs> The browser. Yeah, the browser. And uh, that's why it was funny. <laughs> and there have been rumors for years of their own mobile phones. Yeah. And I think it could be an interesting case if Facebook actually made their own mobile phone. I, would, I think it would have been a great idea yeah. four years ago. I think it's done. 
Yeah, I think there are great Facebook apps on all of the phones now. It's going to be very hard to justify a phone specifically for that. A yeah. few years ago, I think it would have been gorgeous. Yeah, but now, think, not so much. Yeah, but the, the phone industry has truly shown us that yeah. big change can happen very, very fast. quickly. The iPhone's only been around for six years. Yeah. It's hard to remember, but and it's Rim not is been gonna, that long. Rim is going away soon. Yeah. And I'm not sure if HTC was that popular in, in the U.S., but HTC did all the smartphones from Microsoft. Yeah. And they like went skyrocketed. Sure. And then today there was news that they were banned They're... for building a Windows 8 RT device. Oh, They're not no. big enough. Interesting. Well, Samsung seems to be the dominant phone manufacturer yeah. these days. So it just goes to show you that, you know, in a New York minute, a company like Facebook can, can disappear and another one can take its place. Yeah. I think that's what we're getting at here is that, you know, that that's what innovation is all about. You know, the public will determine how much they can take. And, you know, once... Once a meme goes around, and, and it can go around on Facebook, about Facebook, you know, what would, here's something, what, so you have the Facebook API, what if you start, what if somebody started sucking off all the users and all their information, and, and you know, making a database of them, uh, would, if Facebook knew that this was going on, would they turn them off? Would they be within their rights to do I'm that? pretty confident confident there's a lot of databases already that exists that already have sucked a lot of information well, from Facebook. Public, it's all the public information. Yeah. But it's also, there's an awful lot of dumb but, apps out there that are really just meant to mine your graph. But I mean, that, that's a good good idea. Let's say that there's a competitor to Facebook right. and it starts getting momentum. Yeah. And it basically just say, log in here with your Facebook account. Yeah. We'll get all the data for you. Right. Port it over to our platform. Right. Exactly, and, and then one week, Facebook's gone. They would they, they would basically just turn off their APIs when they start seeing this. Yeah, I think it's they're they're perfectly happy to share information with you as long as you don't get a lot of it. As soon as you've got a couple of hundred million users, they're going to be more nervous about you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, you know, and they're perfectly within their legal right to do that. Yeah, it's interesting. Sandra, thank you very much. We could do a whole podcast on Facebook, right? Um, yeah, and all the challenges. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.